0: Every time I'm in the street, I hear Yak yuck, 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 work, 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 yuck, Yak yuck. A lot of should have been from Hoover Street. No, I do not have a car, but I could buy one every week. been like a- Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast podcast. Energized by Celsius, it is a Wednesday edition of the show and a very exciting one because it is draft season, which means it's mock draft season. So we are going to talk about the latest mock draft from Pewter Report's own Scott Reynolds, and this one is exciting as well because it's not just all the draft picks that the Bucks have; it is also a couple of compensatory picks that the Bucks have as well. So. Two more added into the mix. We'll get into that during the show. I'm your host, Matt Matera, and joining with me to break down SR's mock draft. It's not SR, but it is a fellow colleague of ours at pewterreport.com. We missed him last week. It is Adam Slavon. Adam, welcome back to the show. It's great to see you.
1: Yeah, it's great to be back. Great to be on and do some draft coverage. I know you guys last week were very busy doing that.
0: Yes, we were. Uh, spent the last week at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. For those that uh, did not know, we have a lot of great uh, draft coverage from that, both on our Instagram, our YouTube, on pewterreport.com as well. We recapped every single day. We made some connections that uh, Bucks play, or that prospects going to the Bucks, how it would be a fit, and uh, kind of just kept our ear to the ground and, and kept going forward with what we know and what type of players we think the Bucs are very interested in. So maybe you've heard us hype up a couple more than others. Maybe there's a couple others that are talented players but aren't exactly an overall fit for the Buccaneers. But That's why you got to pay attention to the context clues. And uh, Adam, before we get into Scott's mock draft and give our thoughts, analysis, and breakdown of everything, Uh, There was a little bit of news today for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are adding another coach to the mix. They are hiring Jordan Somerville. That was a report today um, from Pete Thamel of ESPN. So Somerville, for those that don't know, he was an offensive analyst for the University of Oregon, or Oregon, however you say it. Um, He began his career as a graduate assistant at Arizona State. Then he was a running backs coach for New Mexico State, the Lobos, and also one of their top uh, recruiters as well for 2020 and 2021. And he spent last year uh, in 2022 with Oregon. So uh, another guy, a West Coast type of guy, which Dave Canales obviously comes from with USC and the Seattle Seahawks. And another person that Todd Bowles isn't over-the-top familiar with. And that's what Todd Bowles spoke about at the Combine, is that he wanted to bring in new people, new ideas, a different amount of creativity. And that's why Dave Canales got the job. And I'm sure Dave Canales obviously signed off or maybe was even you know, banging on the door to get this guy in. It's another set of eyes for the quarterback position. And I think the name of the game offensively outside of the – creativity of dave Canales is they got to get the best out of their quarterback and it's going to be a group effort between dave Canales, between Fad lewis the quarterbacks coach and uh now jordan somerville
1: yeah and he's another young offensive mind as well i believe he's under 30 years old and just having another voice in the room it won't hurt because next season at the quarterback position it's more than likely going to be a bridge option competing with Kyle Trask for that starting role and having another young voice maybe in Trask's ear I think will be beneficial and then uh, with Thad Lewis being promoted maybe also having somebody like in the day to day just kind of offering little tidbits I think will really help
0: yeah I think what's helpful too and you know some people might question hey Thad Lewis wasn't he the wide receivers coach what is he doing as a quarterbacks coach now well Thad Lewis played quarterback At college, he played at Duke from 2006 to 2009. So um, there's a reason Todd Bowles liked him. You know, he's one of the few offensive coaches, along with Harold Goodwin and Joe Gilbert, that are still under contract with the Buccaneers. They obviously let a lot of uh, coaches go in this offseason. So he, that Lewis, even though he was here, he brings something to the table. And somewhat is starting over as well, because Dave Canales brings in a new offense that not any of these coaches are familiar familiar with. And that's why I think it's important to get a, a new set of eyes on all of this, because it's going to be new for Kyle Trask, it's going to be new for all the offensive players. And to your point, any quarterback they bring in, whether a veteran or a rookie, they are not going to know the offense either, unless Drew Locke decides to sign. With the Buccaneers, we'll see what goes there. But outside of Drew Locke, it's an open playing field for everybody.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and everybody's going to be learning a new scheme. And just having another guy there to maybe keep guys on the same page will be really important.
0: Yes, it will be. Another thing that's really important is that we want you guys to know When it comes to picking energy drinks, you have to pick Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. We absolutely love Celsius, and I love telling everybody about the new flavors that they have at Celsius. You got the Fantasy Vibe right there, the Sparkling Lemon Lime as well. The Fantasy Vibe is like drinking a, a Creamsicle. I don't know how else best to describe it. If you're a fan of Creamsicle and if you're a Bucks fan, we know you're a fan of the color Creamsicle, so... Pretty sure you'll love the flavor as well. Fantasy Vibe is great. Sparkling Lemon Lime has quickly moved into my top five. I know Todd Bowles talked about Antoine Winfield Jr. is in his top three of best defense players on that side of the ball. I'm willing to say Sparkling Lemon Lime has quickly moved up into my top five. So I'm a huge fan of that flavor as well. Seven essential vitamins, zero crash, or um, you know, post-energy drink jitters that you might get with some other products. Punch in the store locator like we did when we were in Indy. And find out where to get a Celsius near you at your local bodega. But as we said at the beginning of the show, we are going to be reviewing and breaking down the mock draft 3.0 from Pewter Report's own Scott Reynolds. Scott um, posted it yesterday, literally like right before the show. We did yesterday's show at 4 o'clock. Of course, tonight we're doing it. At seven o'clock, we gave a little bit of teasers of, you know, who is um, who's going to be on this list. Kind of mentioned some defensive guys, but there's offensive players as well um, in this one. By the way, want to give a shout out to everybody in the comments right now. Appreciate everybody watching at seven o'clock. Uh, Ryan says, God, I hope we stay away from another slow Alabama safety who probably is really a linebacker. See Mark Barron. Uh, Tom wants to know, is TB12 coming back or are we twi- trading for Lamar Jackson? We can talk about Lamar Jackson another day. Uh, Tom Brady is not coming back, though. He quickly put the kibosh on that um, after Peter Afford came out with the story. And then not that long after, that was uh, debugged by TB12 himself. Paul Vogel says, hi, guys. And Stilo Brown says, online depth and trask would be good for the crew. I will say there is an offensive lineman drafted in Scott Reynolds Mock Draft 3.0. Make sure you go to pewterreport.com to check it out. Adam, let's get into it. First and yep. foremost, I think it's um not too much of a giveaway given who's on the <laughs> who's on the screen right now as the cover for it and Scott's first overall pick in the Mock Draft 3.0 is Alabama safety Brian Branch out of Alabama. He's a junior, six foot, 190 pounds. Um, Played three years, obviously, at Alabama, 27 tackles, half tackle for loss, seven pass breakups, and an interception in 2020. Uh, The following season, he had 55 tackles, five tackles for loss, nine pass breakups, a sack, and a fumble recovery. In 2022, his best year to date. 90 tackles, 14 tackles for loss, seven pass breakups, two interceptions, and three sacks. The most important thing really when it comes to Brian Branch is the fact that he can play in the slot, Adam. That's one of the number one things that the Bucs are looking for when it comes to defensive backs and safeties. Can they play in the slot at that nickel corner position so they can move Antoine Winfield Jr. back to free safety? where he's a little more comfortable and uh, a little bit more durable as well. So I really like this pick. I I think his bad combine numbers won't really come back to hurt him because when you throw on the tape, Brian Branch is a, you know, he's a monster out there at times. He can take over games like he did in the Kansas State game. And if you already have a guy that can take over a game like Antoine Winfield Jr., you bring in another game wrecker, and Todd Bowles has got to be looking his chops.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I really like the pick. Uh, I know me and uh, Josh and I, we spoke on it a little bit on what the Bucks should do with their first round pick and outlining some options on a podcast beforehand. And just speaking on that, I think Brian Branch in a lot of ways is a mini Antoine Winfield and just how versatile he was last season at Alabama. He graded out really well and he only missed one tackle in all of his attempts. That's crazy. Yeah, and that's unheard of for a defensive back. I know with younger defensive backs, with the technique, sometimes they do miss tackles, but in Brian Branch's case, really solid player, and the nickel and slot corner in today's NFL is maybe an undervalued position based on just how pass-heavy offenses have become, and I wouldn't put too much stock in his 40-yard dash. I think it was like 4.58 or something along those lines, it's only a 10th of a second slower than Antoine Winfield. It's not like you're you're talking about a big discrepancy. So I don't think it'd be a big concern there, especially being in the slot corner position where he's maybe covering more tight ends and not as fast and dynamic receivers. And so I really like the pick, especially for the Bucs, as right now they're in a position where they have so many defensive back free agents. You talk about the safety position, you have Mike Edwards, Logan Ryan, Keanu Neal. Sean Murphy Bunting, who played some in the slot last season. Maybe he's gone. You don't know what that that looks like. And just being able to plug and play a guy with such a high football IQ and someone that doesn't make a lot of mistakes. It makes a lot of sense either at 19 or even if the Bucs traded down a few spots.
0: Can't rule that out. We know Jason Light loves to trade on, uh, on draft day and draft night, depending on the night. Drafted back last year. They traded up one spot to get Tristan Wirfs. I think we're all in agreement. That was absolutely well worth it. And maybe Brian Branch is the next guy. We know Todd Bowles is going to be clamoring to get a, a talented defensive back and a versatile defensive back. And just to think of the ways that he can use Brian Branch, I think that's really exciting for the Buccaneers offense. We'll talk a little bit more about Brian Branch and uh, you know what Scott had to say about him in his article. But if you super chat us, doesn't really matter what the topic is. We will make sure we get to it. So we got a $10 super chat from Roger Price. Thank you very much, Roger. He wants to know about the current team. We can worry about the mock draft <laughs> in a little bit. He is asking, any word on Super Bowl Lenny staying or not? So uh, Peter Report wrote a story. Um, it's been picked up as well. Uh, other Others have reported on it that the Buccaneers are going to be letting go Leonard Fournette. Um, he's not going to be on the team. It's Rashad White's job. Rashad is RB1. I think it gets a little misconstrued because Jason Light did say he believes that Leonard Fournette can be a three down back uh for a couple of more years. And I'm sure he still believes that, but because of the money that the Bucks are saving and the talent that they have in Rashad White, Lenny is gone and will be gone, unfortunately. And uh, you know it is Rashad White's backfield now. Depending on how Tampa Bay navigates the draft, but it's going to be Rashad White as RB one. And Adam, it's tough to really um, you know disagree with with the the game plan from the Bucks front office.
1: Yeah, for sure. And just seeing the emergence of Rashad White last season, he had a few he had a few big games. The one in Seattle really stuck out, and just him changing his jersey number now to running back one. Uh, That's right, number one. Uh, with Leonard Fournette, he had a really solid run with Tampa. Everyone will remember his performance during the playoffs and getting the team to the Super Bowl. But just at this stage, with the team needing to get under the cap relatively soon, with uh, actually a week from now today, yeah, it, it'll be best for both sides to move on. And something that Fournette himself requested, per reports.
0: Yeah, uh, moves are going to be made. You saw that the Bucs just released Donovan Smith. And again, Pewter Report wrote about that last week. So some people thought it was breaking news. Um, we had known about it for a little bit. So uh, a big change at left tackle as well. What they decide to do, will they move Tristan Wirfs over? Will they draft the left tackle early on? Will they sign a left tackle in free agency? Um, I just want to give a shout out to Donovan Smith as well. Um, I know he's had his ups and downs seasons with the Bucks, but He was here for eight years. He won a Super Bowl with the team. Um He was pretty good with the media, too. I like talking to him um, about other things besides football. Adam, you've seen me talk to him about the New York Knicks, who are on the come-up. I know they lost the other day, but they had won like 12 in a row. Um, A really good guy. um, And wish him all the best and the best of luck uh, in the next move that he has going on. So just wanted to mention that real quick. Um, Getting back to Brian Branch for a moment before we get over to the uh, second pick in Scott Reynolds, Peter report mock draft 3.0. Um, Scott says sometimes NFL teams, general managers, scouts, and coaches aren't disappointed with slow 40 times from great players when the tape suggests otherwise. And that obviously speaks for branch who ran a four five, eight. Um, that was the slowest 40 yard dash out of all the defensive backs that um, had formal interviews with, the Buccaneers uh, in Indianapolis. Obviously uh, obviously a small sample size, but just wanted to point that out. Um, Such is the case with Alabama safety, Brian Branch. Um, Compare that with Buck safety, Antoine Winfield Jr. Ran a 4.45 and Winfield is a 10th of a second faster. Uh, The tape shows that Branch is one hell of a football player. He's incredibly intelligent and would be a perfect fit in a Todd Bowles meeting room. Bowles wants to move Winfield out of the slot and back to free safety where he can get more interceptions roaming the secondary. Branch played a lot more in the slot of Alabama with 569 snaps there last year and 411 in the slot the year before, compared to 136 snaps in the box and 25 deep in 2022 and 123 snaps in the box and 49 deep in 2021. The Crimson Tide star is one of the best tacklers in the draft, with just four missed tackles in his entire three-year career so hey that's another thing as well we haven't talked about too much but we've mentioned it in the past um every team needs it i think the bucks especially cornerbacks that can tackle or defensive backs that can tackle i know mike edwards was kind of guilty of it at times um carlton is a physical guy but more physical in routes than really you know trying to go and make the tackle so getting a clean cut tackler i think is a little more important to the Bucs coaching staff than I think many people would um, would really think about. Now, this second pick in round two, we mentioned Tristan Wirfs before. We know he'd be really happy with this pick because it's Scott's second round pick. He has Tampa Bay taking Iowa tight end Sam Laporta. He's a senior with 6'3", 245 pounds. Laporta had a really cool quote at the combine that he said he could have came out last year for the NFL draft, but w- what was really important to him was that he became a team captain for the Hawkeyes, which he did. And that speaks to the character of the guy right away. The Bucks love <laughs> drafting team captains. And I think that's why you've seen such a close knit locker room over the past couple of years. Scott goes on to say, um, with Cam Brate's release and Tampa Bay moving on from free agent Kyle Rudolph, the Bucks could use another tight end. This year's draft class is super talented and super deep, so why not take an advantage of it? Uh, Kate Odden's last year's fourth-round pick is a solid number two tight end with the potential to be a starter, but Auden is not the athlete that Laporta is. That's really the key in all of this. Laporta has the potential to be Travis Kelsey, a George Kittle type. Receiving <laughs> tight end, George Kittle also went to uh, the University of Iowa of course he crushed the athletic drills at the combine posting a four-five-nine time in the 40-yard dash Laporta posted back-to-back years with 50 catches and 650 yards receiving while averaging 11 and a half yards per catch he's an above average blocker and would team with Auden to make a nice one-two punch in the Bucs passing game out of 12 personnel sets and based on the fact that The Bucs had formal interviews with seven tight ends at the NFL combine. It leads me to believe that with Dave Canales running the show as the offensive coordinator, the Bucs are going to see a fair amount of two tight end sets. There's another picture of Laporta um, at the NFL combine doing his drills. So, I don't know how I necessarily feel about tight end that early, unless you're getting like yeah. Rob Gronkowski, but it's tough to argue with the size and the production that he had at, at Iowa.
1: Definitely. And I agree with most of what you said there. And just Iowa being like a tight end you in a way in the past few seasons. Yes, they are. Uh, we mentioned uh, George Kittle, TJ Hawkinson, and Noah Fant of the Seahawks who uh, played under Canales last season. And Laporta may be another one of those guys that continues that lineage. Another guy that's really fast, just clocked in behind Brian Branch for context. I think he ran 4.59. Yeah, at the tight end position, that's huge. And he's not only a vertical threat, but last season for Iowa, maybe not having the best quarterback play there, he still put up numbers and was a target underneath. He bounces off of guys and just really physical. He'd be a great fit. The only thing is, for the Bucs with so many holes, you draft another tight end when you already have Kate Otten in the second round, maybe that's a spot they would target an offensive lineman. They want to get one of the top tackles, but there's still guys out there like Darnell Wright, Dewan Jones, who we saw at the senior bowl. They might be fits it there, but if they go with somebody like Sam Laporta, they want to go wrong. And if the Bucs were also to maybe move on from a guy like Russell Gage, he, uh, Laporta would be another option, to get targets because the targets would have to go to somebody. So maybe bringing out more 12 personnel and running the ball. LaPorta also graded out as an above average blocker. It makes a lot of sense. It just is the value there.
0: By the way, I love everyone's differences of opinion with all of these picks so far. That's what I want from this. You know, I want some people to agree or just feel how you feel. And some people are agreeing already. uh, As Tom said, love that second pick. And some people, are um disagreeing like al says we have two tight ends under contract though very questionable pick in round two if you ask me al i would counter that by saying the two tight ends that they picked are on rookie contract so it's not really yeah. killing the buck's salary cap and as we've learned co Keith is more of a almost more of a fullback than a tight end at this point or merely just a blocking tight end so the bucks without question were in the market for a uh, receiving tight end and a way more athletic one. You know, I think sometimes, I know I have, I've been guilty of it, of questioning, like, why isn't Kate Odden involved more? Like, why is he only a guy in the second half? Well, maybe because he's not the most fleet of foot. You know, sometimes when you game plan for one thing or another, Aden doesn't really get hurt until the second half because teams are taking other things away and you kind of forget about Aden because he's, I don't want to say slowly, but surely, but he's kind of like, Oh, yeah, I forgot about him. Let's go and get him the ball. Uh, John does not like the fact, this is John uh, Boobin, says, once again, ignoring the trenches and cornerbacks. Well, John, you'll be happy with this next pick because with Scott's third-round pick, he's going local, and by local, I do not mean Tampa, Florida. I mean uh, a, a school that Scott is very familiar with, and that he ended up going to school. We're talking about Kansas State with his third overall pick. He's going with the Wildcat. It is Julius Brent out of Kansas State. He has the Bucks taking him in the third round, and Scott will be the first one to tell you this is not a homer pick by any means. He calls it like he sees it. There are a couple of... Uh, can't stay Wildcats that are definitely formidable and could get drafted by the Bucs this season. And Julius Brents is one of them. Uh Brents, I mean, he's been showing off for a month or two now. Uh, he had a really great senior bowl, did really well in a lot of um, one-on-ones, and which was really exciting to see performed well in the senior bowl game, too. At the Combine, he had the biggest wingspan of all time. You know, of all time at the position, Uh, he was a senior, 6'3", 195 pounds. He had uh, 13 tackles, three pass breakups, and an interception when he was at Iowa in 2019. Four tackles and a pass breakup with Iowa in 2020. Then he transferred over to Kansas State. EMA, 49 tackles, three tackles for loss, two pass breakups, and an interception in 2021. And then 45 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss four pass breakups, four interceptions, and a forced fumble. Adam, I think what's really important about this is this is the replacement for Jamel Dean. You get him in the third round, you get another tall, lanky cornerback. That's the type of cornerbacks that the Bucks like to have on their roster. And Julius Brents definitely fits the bill with this pick.
1: Yeah, I don't think there is another cornerback out there that doesn't scream Todd Bowles than Julius Brents. And Todd Bowles is also going to Kansas State uh, as a keynote speaker relatively yes, soon, very too. very cool, and, very cool. And he'll have a chance to maybe see some of these guys up close. But it's evident that the Bucks need to select another cornerback. And thankfully for them, it's a very deep draft where they can maybe get an impact starter in rounds two or three with a guy like Julius Brents who played so well during the Senior Bowl and tested very well at the Combine will he be there in round three? Like there's mocks where he goes round two or round four. So if he's on the board at round three, it makes a lot of sense. And in some ways he even tests out better than Zion McCollum did last season and seeing a Seahawk in Tyreek Wolin and what he was able to do with, with the Seahawks. Maybe Brent's could be another story of a tall and heralded cornerback emerging for the Bucks next season, and with Jamel Dean likely pricing himself out of Tampa Bay, he would be a great pick.
0: I like the comparisons and connections you make to either players that like other Bucks coaches have coached before, other players in the league that kind of compare to these draft prospects. So definitely interesting take there. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, on the field, Brents is an up and comer, evidenced by career highs and pass breakups and interceptions. None were bigger than his end zone interception against TCU's Quinton Johnson, who had a formal interview with the Buccaneers at the Combine in Kansas State's Big 12 championship win. Uh, Brents could step in as a starter and replace Jamel Dean, who is expected to depart in free agency, as we talked about. The Bucs just don't have the salary cap room to pay two cornerbacks over $14 million per year after signing Carlton Davis to a long-term extension last year. I think he's an exciting player. I like what he's done one on one, and listen, I trust Scott's judgment more than really any like local Tampa person because I mean Scott's track record of his Bucks best bets and what type of players the Bucks go for it's impeccable. Like no one else yeah. in Tampa nails mock drafts like Scott Reynolds does and like Peter Report does. So I'm never, I'm never really going to bash any picks that um, that Scott has. There's one later that I, I kind of will question a little bit, but we can get into that later when we get uh, deeper into this draft. So moving on to the... Oh,
1: I was going to say one yeah, more thing ahead. about Brents and kind of the comparisons to former Seahawks. Brents himself, uh, I actually had a chance to speak with him at the Senior Bowl. He compared himself both to... Uh, Brandon Browner and a former buck, Richard Sherman, and just being one of those tall physical cornerbacks. So for the bucks, if they were able to get somebody along that mold and just his play style, it really fits.
0: As Shaggy says, fits the mold for bowls. Um, Long lost Glacier said Julius Brent's with 34 inch arms, love a six, three cornerback with a huge wingspan. Store stop stew says, I like this pick. Al Bundy, I wouldn't take Brent's for round two, but he would be decent if he was there in round three. Stop, stop, store stops, due also says good value. 941 Maid Gage says round three, yes, sir. Tom wants to know about Caillou Blue Kelly. That is also another guy that's been uh, linked to the Bucs, no question. We spoke to him at the Senior Bowl, we wanted to speak to him at the NFL combine. But what occasionally happens is these, all these players rotate in and out uh, day by day. Like they'll start with defensive linemen one day, then go to cornerback safeties, et cetera, et cetera. And it goes from like eight o'clock to 1130, but all the players and the prospects, they're getting like medicals done beforehand. And sometimes they take a little bit longer and Caillou blue Kelly just happened to be one of the guys that wasn't going to the podium until later And the medical started slowing down a little bit. So he was still waiting to get his medicals done and they closed off the media session. So we wanted to speak to him. I think Blue Kelly's another great fit. Uh, Josh Capo wrote about him on pewterreport.com. You can definitely check it out. Another. Fantastic job at the at the Senior Bowl. I mean, his best catch was when he wasn't even playing. He made that one handed catch on the sideline, on the sideline. But he made multiple interceptions and he got better each day because he dropped the interception. Then he made a couple when he was out there and he has the connection to Tampa because his dad played for the Buccaneers, won a Super Bowl with the Bucs. I think he would be a fit as well. And I think definitely right around that third, fourth round type of thing would be a a spot for Kyle Blue Kelly. So good good uh, comment there by Tom. I think he could be a fit for sure.
1: And in my opinion, if Brents is off the board, he'd be the next one that the Bucs should definitely take a look at because he's also, like just hearing him talk, you can tell he's a very highly intelligent football player. And just the connection to Tampa is so deep-rooted, it makes a lot of sense there as well.
0: Adam, you are a bit of a rap aficionado, right? Oh,
1: boy. Yeah.
0: Well, you're familiar with schoolboy Q, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know how a lot of times he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. And it's not, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I always think about that when we're going to be talking about this next guy in the fifth round, because the Bucks do not have a fourth round pick. Another player that we talked about a lot at the Senior Bowl is Yaya Diaby, edge rusher. Scott has the Bucs taking Yaya in the uh, fifth round. He's a senior, 6'3", 263 pounds. He had his first two years at uh, the Georgia Military Academy. In 2018, he had 19 tackles, four tackles for loss and two sacks. 2019, 58 tackles, 16 tackles for loss and five sacks. Then his next three seasons, he played um, at Louisville, transferred there, 18 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss in 2020, 39 tackles, three tackles for loss, and one and a half sacks in 2021. And then his numbers spike up in 2022. 37 tackles. That's two less than last year, but this is where it gets great. 14 tackles for loss. So he went from three tackles for loss to 14, nine sacks. So he went from one and a half sacks to nine sacks. And then just for good measure, he added two pass breakups and two fumble recoveries. He's a versatile player. He can be an edge rusher. He could also line up on the inside as well, which Todd Bowles loves that on the defensive line. And Adam, we saw it firsthand, played very, very well at the Senior Bowl, too.
1: He did. And I like him for more than just his name. Great name, but also <laughs> a great player. And... Even more so great value if the Bucs were able to get him in round five and just being able to be a versatile player off the edge, really athletic, tested very well. He could be a potential replacement if the Bucs are priced out of someone like Anthony Nelson and with people potentially departing in free agency along the defensive line, somebody that could also rotate there in the three to three, four scheme. And it also just fits the Bucks getting faster. They need to get faster and more productive at so many positions. One of them being edge and yeah. Yeah. makes a lot of sense. So definitely like the pick and the fit for the box.
0: I think he's I overall I'm fine with the pick. I think, you know, he's got a little bit of a, of a ways to go. But what I will say is and we talked about this on the show yesterday. So I'm going to try not to repeat myself too much. But you definitely get a lot of different personalities at the combine. And for a lot of these players, it's their first time in front of cameras and receiving multiple questions. And sometimes like tougher questions too. Don't get me wrong. You'll get a lot of the, like, what are you trying to prove to everybody when you get into the league? And I'm sure they've been coached up on that, but sometimes you get some tougher questions and Yaya Diaby was smiling. He was happy. He was engaging with everybody. And, that's not to say anyone that's like a little more uptight, like there's anything wrong with the caliber of player that they are. But yeah, Yaya brought like a little bit more to the table. I feel like you kind of have to if your name is Yaya. Yeah. Yaya that's already like a rah-rah type, um, type of guy. So Yaya, I think, would fit in very well with the locker room. Again, I really enjoyed the, the versatility that he would bring to um, bring to the Bucks defense. Uh, what Scott had to say is he's not ready to be an every-down starter yet. Because he's still raw, but Diaby, as you said, Adam, can replace Anthony Nelson and or Carl Nassib and give the Bucks a younger, cheaper, and more athletic pass rusher off the bench. And Diaby could contribute on special teams coverage units right away. That's kind of, you forget it too sometimes. Once you get to like the fifth round and on, you're also looking for special teams players. And yeah. let's be real. Special teams was not a thumbs-up type of uh, position for or unit for the Bucks last year. They struggled in multiple areas, especially uh, punt return. So that's definitely an area that needs to be cleaned up just a little bit. Uh, before we go further in this draft, then we will be talking about a compensatory pick coming up next. But first, let's hear a message from our friends over at Age Rejuvenation.
1: As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women.
0: I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy.
1: I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt.
0: I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time.
1: Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now.
0: I've got all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18. It was perfect for me. Get with age rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call age rejuvenation today. Look better, feel better, have better sex using age rejuvenation. You see John Gilmore on the screen. He is a retired Buccaneer and part of the Pewter Game Day show during the season. John still looks like he can play. That's a current photo of John Gilmore. That's not John Gilmore playing in the NFL back in the day. He speaks so highly of it. Scott Reynolds has talked about how it's made him feel younger, how he doesn't take naps anymore, and um, has lost weight because of age rejuvenation as well. They have testosterone therapy, peptide therapy, and stem cell therapy. So go to agerejuvenation.com see how it can help you. That's agerejuvenation.com. Okay, this next pick, as I said, is a compensatory pick. And this is an expected compensatory pick. We took a little bit of a liberty when it comes to that. But uh, the Bucs are most likely going to get one or two, depending on how free agency goes. And if some of their free agents, Jamel Dean, for example, dare I say, Levante David, hopefully <laughs> not. But, you know, that could be the case as well. And the Bucks will get some draft picks um out of that and one of them as scott is picking with their second fifth round pick is indiana linebacker cam jones you may have heard us talk about him on yesterday's show because cam jones was one of the few inside linebackers that had a formal meeting with the buccaneers at the combine it was him and drew anderson in terms of inside linebackers cam jones ran a four six nine 40-yard dash, had a 33-inch vert, and did 22 reps on the uh, on the bench press. So not too bad in the bench press part. The The 40-yard dash, not exactly ideal, but again, that's why he's a fifth-round pick and not <laughs> not going uh, number one overall. Scott says, Levante David may or may not be re-signed, and the Bucs need another starting caliber linebacker. As a four-year starter, Indiana's Cam Jones is an experienced as they come. Sorry, as experienced as they come. Jones missed all but five games last year due to a foot injury, and the recovery from that injury might have affected his 40 time. Jones, who had a formal interview with the Bucs, has a high football IQ, is assignment sound, and only missed four tackles last year. Are you sensing a theme, Adam? Not (laughs) missing tackles. That's a big theme for a lot of the defensive guys. Um, he proved that he can do, be a do-it-all linebacker for the Hoosiers, evidenced by seven career sacks, eight pass breakups, and a pair of interceptions in his career. Jones will have another chance to run the 40 at his pro day. If it's not in the 4-5 range, the Bucs may pass on him for a faster, more athletic linebacker prospect. But if he does run a faster 40 time that better resembles his play speed, he could be in play. Um, Todd Bull said it. I mean, a lot of a lot of coaches will say this as well. They're looking for intelligent players. That's not to say the Bucks have any dumb players right now, but I just think there is a glare and a huge hole at inside linebacker, especially if Levante David is not there. But even if Levante David comes back, the Bucks skated by with not having a third string tight end uh, linebacker or at least a formidable thirsting inside linebacker. And they got lucky because Devin White and Levante David played in every single game. I would never want any player in the NFL to get injured. I just think you have to be realistic, and players get hurt, especially the older you get. So even if Levante David comes back, to expect him to play a full 17 games again, I don't know if it's very likely. So Cam, the problem is for Cam Jones is... It's not a great inside linebacker group already. So I think the Bucs are really crossing their fingers, hoping and praying that Levante re-signs with the Bucs for one more season. Because then they can reshuffle the deck looking next year and see if they can find the next inside linebacker when Levante retires or goes somewhere else. And, you know, they decide whatever it is that they decide with Devin White.
1: Yeah, and you make some great points, as you alluded to, with Levante David. The Bucs are banking on him returning, because as, as much as uh, Cam Jones, he might be an impact player, he may not be that starter right away. And banking on a fifth-round pick, being able to come in and fill the shoes of Le- Levante David, that would be a really tall task. Now, he would be a much better fit if he was the third-string inside linebacker, as you mentioned, but the Bucks need to play not just this season for Levante David, but next season as well. If Devin White, he, he made some uh, some remarks on his social media, yeah, cryptic, and alluding to him wanting an extension. But if Levante walks out of the door this year and Devin White isn't signed to an extension next year, the Bucks will really have a hole at inside linebacker. So drafting a guy as depth maybe for a year, as Shaggy mentions here, and then next year, reevaluating and seeing if they can bring in another player as well, I think will be huge. But the fit with Jones, it makes a lot of sense. A four-year starter, definitely need intelligent players that are sound and read assignments, are leaders. It, these are all variables that Bulls seems and the Bucks seem to want in the prospects that they are evaluating.
0: And I think to compete with J.J. Russell and um, I'm sure they'll probably for training camp sign Olakunle Farukasi probably, you know, have a competition for that fourth linebacker. They like K.J. Britt in terms of a special teams role. So I don't really see K.J. Britt going anywhere. I just think he's too slow to be an everyday inside linebacker. And I think he got exposed a little bit in the week 18 game against the Falcons. But. I don't want to completely hold that against them because it's a different position and it's now even more at the forefront with the, and I'm going a different direction here, but it's even more at the forefront with Donovan Smith being released. And there's talks about Luke Edicky potentially playing right tackle. And some of the argument for him is he graded pretty well at right tackle when he played there in, uh, in week 18. It's like, are we actually really just, gonna give him the role because he he had one good game at right tackle in week eighteen against the Atlanta Falcons. Like yeah. I, I don't think he should be billed as the number one guy. He's the headliner, right tackle, Luke Edicky. And I don't think KJ Britt should absolutely get slammed just for the mere fact that um you know that that he had a bad game against the Falcons. And then the one time the, he's the on the
1: field. Season like expecting him to make like plays all of a sudden when Levante David and Devin White yeah. basically played every single snap. So I definitely agree with you there.
0: Moving on to the sixth round. Now this pick actually comes, talk about linebackers, this pick comes from the, um, the trade that they made with the Indianapolis Colts. Our, his name was slipping my mind for a second. But when they traded Grant Stewart, who was a special teams aficionado playing linebacker, but mostly on special teams. They traded him to Indy, and they got a sixth-round pick out of it. With this sixth-round pick, Scott Reynolds has the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going with a running back, and specifically East Carolina running back Keaton Mitchell, who is a redshirt sophomore coming out of East Carolina. Um, The big thing with Mitchell, and I think what Tampa Bay is looking for, is he's got speed, 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 and more speed. He is, he is a home run hitter. He had a 437 40-yard dash. That was the third fastest out of any running back at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. So ECU, not necessarily a powerhouse for collegiate players that go to the NFL, but running backs, unfortunately, are kind of a dime a dozen. So, the Bucks feel like if they can get one later, and I think that's very telling as to why they didn't have too many formal interviews with running backs. I think it's coming on day three and they want a guy that can excel in the passing game, but overall just has that speed because Rashad White's fast, but he's more smooth. He's a, he's a tackle breaker. He's elusive and you know, he can get physical, you know, Dave Canales likes that violent runner. You can get that with Rashad White, as we saw in the game against the Seattle Seahawks in Germany, when he had that nasty stiff arm and got the angry run. With Mitchell, it's all about the speed, and that's the two things that Jason Light spoke about, is that they need to get younger, and they need to get faster. And obviously, with Mitchell, that checks the box in both of the things that Bucks general manager Jason Light had to say at the combine.
1: Yeah. Uh, checks a lot of boxes, as you mentioned. And also, he kind of reminds me of Devin Tompkins in a way and being 5'8, like around the 175 mark, maybe being smaller, but using his frame and being elusive. And a lot of his runs at uh, East Carolina, he showed that elusiveness even in between the tackles and just testing very well, being maybe a speed and change of pace back. Definitely makes sense. He wouldn't be expected to to come in and be a 1B, but just being able to offer a different element and a different dynamic. And last season with Seattle, Seattle utilized various backs in their offense. Uh, DJ Dallas, Travis Homer, Rashad Penny, guys of all different archetypes. And just having somebody of Mitchell's play style fitting in the offense, it definitely checks a few boxes and there would be a fit down in Tampa.
0: It surely would be a fit. Just a couple of the stats for those at home that are wondering about Keaton Mitchell. Um, The last two years, he balled out as a runner in 2021. He had 174 rushing attempts for 1,132 yards. That was an average of six and a half yards per attempt and nine touchdowns. Then last season, 201 rushing attempts, 1,452 yards, 7.2 7.2 per attempt and 14 touchdowns. So he um, he definitely upped his numbers there. <clears throat> Receiving game wise, I guess, could be a little more utilized in 2021. He played a little bit in 2020, but mostly the last two seasons for him is what got him to this point. Uh, 22 catches, 253 yards, an 11 and a half yard average per catch, and a touchdown. Last year, 27 receptions, 252 yards, 9.3 yards per reception, and one touchdown. He had an overall grade of 89.1 by pro football focus, so grades out pretty highly. And with the running back, of course, you always need good blockers in front of you. The Bucks now have a question when it comes to left tackle, and they go with an offensive tackle in this Next pick by Peter Report's Scott Reynolds with another sixth round pick. They go with Oregon offensive tackle TJ Bass. He is a he is a, a senior, a 6'4, 317 pounds. He's a versatile lineman who played uh, 879 snaps at left tackle last year and split time between left tackle and left guard in 2021. Had 500 snaps at left tackle, 431 at left guard. He was a three-year starter. He has positional versatility and could be an ideal placement replacement for former Bucs swing tackle Josh Wells. Of course, Wells is injured. Um, he got hurt on Christmas night in the game against the Cardinals. Bass had two informal meetings with the Bucks. That means with scouts and position coaches at the NFL Combine. He brings toughness and physicality to the table. He's a mauler in the run game and posted uh, blocking grades of 78.2 in 2022 and 86 in 2021 over the last two seasons. So a physical, in-your-face type of guy. The number one thing, Adam, is versatility. The Bucks yes. love versatility when it comes to their offensive linemen. Usually it's with small school guys. Not the case this time with Bass. But nonetheless, if they can move him around, especially with the news about Donovan Smith, and they do need that swing tackle, Bass could be the guy.
1: It's also interesting with the Bucks' recent coaching hire, too, being an ass- assistant over in Oregon. Yes. Oregon, also having that connection maybe to Bass, and I really like the comparison to Wells and what his role could be. But also, the only concern, this wouldn't be a bad pick, is if the Bucks wanted to address the line maybe in a couple, couple rounds earlier and maybe rounds three, three or five, maybe even selecting a tackle early, early on. But Bass would have a nice fit maybe as a depth piece along the line, being someone that could play left tackle, maybe not the starter, but just being an option there.
0: I get what you're saying for sure, but we have to remember as well that free agency plays a factor. You know, do the Bucks believe that they can find a a a replacement left tackle this year uh, in free agency, and then address that early in the following year's draft? Now, there are some good offensive tackles early on. You know, uh, Broderick Jones. Paris from Ohio state. So, uh, you know, you, you had, you definitely have a couple of options. Both of those guys had formal meetings with the Buccaneers, but this is the problem that you'll keep running into and why some people might like the pick. Some people might not like the pick is, you know, it's all for the fact that the bucks have to address certain areas. So if you want to go with the cornerback early or a tight end early, there's nothing wrong with that per se. It's just other positions like offensive tackle have to, unfortunately, take a back seat and a lot of people want to build in the trenches. And I don't disagree with that. I think building through the trenches really is the way to go. Mark Fisher says, wait until the sixth floor tackle. Does that make the O-line? Well, the O-line is pretty much all set except for left tackle. And if they move Tristan Wirfs to left tackle, then you're just asking for, uh, you know, a right tackle. And that's where the get a key situation takes into place. You know, do you want a, do, do you want a, uh, a rookie on the offensive line? Do you want to go with a veteran that's kind of been there before? I don't know. Mark says, uh, I guess he's retyping, wait until the six for a tackle. Does this make the offensive line a priority in free agency? Yeah, I think it does. If they wait that long, I totally think it, it makes the offensive line a priority in free agency
1: it would just depend on the price point for some of those tackles in free agency. Cause in recent seasons, a lot of the tackles are maybe a little bit overpaid to try to get them. Like maybe like an average tackle is making like seven, to $8 million, which the Bucks they just released Donovan Smith to save 10 million. So you wonder how much they'd be willing to spend in free agency for his replacement.
0: And offensive tackles get so, it's so odd because not many offense tackles really get, to free agency for the fact that if you have a good one, you hold on to them because they are very difficult to find. And then this year, you kind of have two with Donovan Smith and Taylor Lewand of Bussing with the Boys notoriety. That's how many people know Taylor Lewand. Now, they both got released for different reasons. And different reasons, but the main reason also being money. So Donovan Smith did not have a great season. We all know it was subpar. That's that on top of saving nine point whatever it was, nine and a half million dollars. That's the main reason Donovan Smith isn't there. If the Bucks had way more salary cap room, Donovan Smith's probably not going anywhere. Now Taylor Luan, he's had more of an injury history the past couple of years. I'm pretty sure it's a knee injury yeah. that cost him most of last season. And he had a big number as well. And the Titans they're not just getting rid of Taylor Lewand. They're completely, it sounds like doing a rebuild. You know, they don't they don't want to have Ryan Tannehill as the quarterback. Derek Henry is it, open for yeah, a trade. Yeah. So it, it really seems like they had their window of opportunity. They made it to one AFC championship game. And then the Chiefs did what the Kansas City Chiefs do a couple of years ago. That's when they beat the 49ers for the Super Bowl, and then the Bucs beat them the next year. And we all know that or Two years later, whatever. No, it was the next year. Yeah, it was the next year. Anyway, um, so you got two offensive tackles in free agency for one similar reason, being saving money, but then also for two very different reasons. So I don't know exactly what Taylor Lawan is going to get on the market because of the injury history that is open to him. But he would be very interesting coming to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, not just because of the podcast and everything. But, you would have uh,
1: podcasts with every single Bucks player. That would be really cool.
0: Yeah, that actually would. We would get a ton of content out of that, <laughs> which yeah. would um, actually be sick. We got two more rounds to go. We'll kind of get through them a little bit quicker because uh, we've already uh, closing in on an hour on the show. But, of course, we love interacting with the pewter people, and we love when the pewter people – Use the products that sponsor and advertise on pewterreport.com. So you heard me talk about Celsius a little bit earlier. Just want to remind everybody about some of the other flavors they got. Of course, the vibes. The vibes are always high on the show. We got the Arctic peach and tropical vibes. You also got a ton of great other flavors from the sparkling watermelon to the original orange to the Fuji apple pear, kiwi guava, strawberry akai, strawberry lemonade as well. Um, if you want to order it in bulk, because there's so many great different flavors, get the variety pack because the variety is the spice of life. So get it in bulk, go to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save and have it sent to your house or apartment every week, month, quarterly, whenever you want it. Just make sure you are drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. All right, Adam, let's get into these last two picks coming up. Seventh round pick starting off Scott Reynolds goes with North Dakota State fullback slash running back Hunter Lepke and North Dakota State kind of a hotbed, you know, they're an FCS school, but they obviously have had a lot of players go um, into the NFL. So not exactly shocking to hear this school. Um, A couple of things on Lepke. I was trying to find his picture. I got it in here somewhere, or at least I thought I did. Um, In the meantime, enjoy the beautiful picture of Celsius energy drinks. But played a little bit in 2019. In 2020, he had 84 rushing attempts for 458 yards, five and a half uh, per average, and six touchdowns. Then in 2021, he had... 87 rushing attempts, 543 yards, an average of 6.2 and eight touchdowns. And then in 2022, 98 carries, 621 yards and a 6.3 average to go with nine touchdowns. So this guy knows how to find the end zone uh, without question. The big thing on him is, and Bucs fans will love this, he's kind of a Mike Allstott type of guy. He's a thumper. He's a physical bruising runner that resembles the uh, Bucks Ring of Honor member, Mike Allstott. In addition to being capable as a blocker and a, not, a nice receiver out of the backfield, he scored 33 touchdowns for the Bison in his four-year career. Um, he averaged six yards per attempt, was a third-down goal-line specialist as a runner. He also showed the ability to catch screen passes in addition to running Wheel routes out of the backfield. Leppie gives maximum effort on every play and has a tremendous work ethic. So I like all the intangibles that have been said about him. Where I and the idea of having like a bruiser, a thumper, a guy that's gonna you know smash helmets at the goal line, I think is like very exciting. And the Bucks obviously struggled a ton in short yardage uh, situations last season. My Only, like, I guess complaint or concern is you sort of already have a fullback with Co'Keefe going into his second year. And it feels like you're kind of just drafting somewhat of a similar position. More of a runner. Co'Keefe doesn't really take hands-offs in the backfield and isn't too much of a receiver. But if his compliment as a receiver is that he... He catches screen passes. I mean, Co'Keefe can do that. Am, am I wrong?
1: No, you're definitely right on that one. And that was my concern too, is just seeing another Co'Keefe in Lepke.
0: Yeah, so I just, well, I understand flooding the position. You know, that's that's always been a big uh, a big emphasis, whether it's cornerback or, or running back. And they obviously draft the running back in, in the round before. I just... I don't know. I just get the sense you're essentially getting a, another co I like the, and you're going to get like another Colt here, you know, a guy with a great work ethic and he first one off the field last one off. Uh, you know, that whole sentiment, it just feels as if you're getting the same type of player as co a little bit different, more of a runner, more polished runner for sure. I just, I just get the sense. It's not a waste of a draft pick, but you're filling the same type of position and uh, as Wayne says, you need – the Buccaneers need speed on offense. So, And he can play special teams too, which I think w- would be a little bit important. But again, you have Kokey for that. So that would probably be one of the picks that
1: – Yeah, but what sticks out to me with Lepke is the fact that he averaged six yards per carry at North Dakota State in the round prior in the mock draft getting somebody like Mitchell – if they wanted to get somebody maybe on both ends of the spectrum, getting a speed guy and then another bruiser, it makes a lot of sense. And just with the Bucks' inability to maybe punch the ball into the end zone last season, having somebody like Lepke would make a lot of sense. It is in 2003, but in 2023, he would still have a role, maybe filling that, the A-train, bringing a little L-train to Tampa Bay.
0: I like it. I, I do still appreciate having a fullback in the league or, you know, just a guy that's going to ram heads, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) I still think there's room for physicality in football. It sets the tempo. It, you know, it strikes fear in the opponent. I I do think there's an element to that, that even in today's NFL, where uh, there's a lot more rules about player safety, which are very important. I'm not, um, I'm not saying that's a negative thing, but I do like that. There can still be physicality and maybe he brings it. All right. So, Last but not least, this is another compensatory pick that we are projecting, and it's the wide receiver position. It is Florida wide receiver Justin Shorter. He is a senior, 6'4", 229, had some great things to say about Kyle Trask. We played with him in 2020. Um, there's anything short about Shorter, and he ran a, an impressive 4.55 at the 40-yard dash during the Combine. He's a developmental receiver who didn't have the most accurate quarterbacks thrown to him over the last two years with Emery Jones and Anthony Richardson. However, he did average 19.9 yards per catch his final year at Florida and won six contested catches as a deep threat. Over the past couple of years, he had 550 receiving yards in 2021 with three touchdowns and 577 yards in 2022. Only two touchdowns, so um, hasn't scored, hasn't reached the end zone a ton. Um, he brings a bigger body, Tampa Bay's receiving corps, and he can lead, learn from one of the best big receivers in Mike Evans while he develops. With his speed ratio, shorter can also be a factor on special teams. So really, Adam, I, I think the biggest thing we're noticing at wide receiver is the Bucks went the route the past couple of years with shorter wide receivers, Scotty Miller. Um, they have Devin Tompkins on the roster at the moment. You also have, um, or they they had Jalen Darden. He's no longer on the team. Kalen Geiger is the shorter guy that's on the practice squad. They want to go big, all right? They want to go larger at wide receiver, and that's what you get with, uh, with shorter.
1: Definitely. And the fit, like on paper, just makes so much sense. Staying in Florida, a teammate of Kyle Trask, learning behind one of the best bigger wide receivers in the game of football, Mike Evans, mm-hmm. just being able to develop in kind of the offense. It just makes a lot of sense. And he's not a short target, like you said, and maybe he fits that Julio Jones role of last season and just being a taller wide receiver that can stretch the field averaging 20 yards to catch at Florida's no short task. Yeah, And just being a deep threat, I think is what the box offense needs because last season you didn't really see that outside of maybe the Panthers game where Mike Evans had three touchdowns mm-hmm. being able to stretch the ball down the field. That would be something that he would provide.
0: It's really important for Tampa Bay. They will see differences this year, but you didn't see the big plays. The Mike Evans hat trick touchdown game was, was few and far between for the box last year. Um, not specifically because of Mike, just in general on the offense and Bucks have had mixed reviews with taking wide receivers late. You know, Scotty Miller started out great, had the big touchdown against the Packers uh, in the NFC Championship game. The last two years, not as much. Jalen Darden was kind of a flop, and he was, I think, a fourth or a fifth round pick, if I'm not mistaken. So you're not going to hit it every single time, I guess, for shorter. He could really push the balance of one way or another uh, when it comes to drafting wide receivers. As of late, Tyler Johnson as well never really panned out, got released by the team back on the, the practice squad this year. So um, mixed results at wide receiver. But that's going to do it for Scott Reynolds' Mock Draft 3.0. Let us know in the comments on our YouTube channel uh, which picks you liked, which picks you didn't like, what grade you would give it overall. Give it on a scale of 1 to 10. Use figure skating scores if you need to. Give that decimal um, if you want to. And uh, we've had a lot of draft talk these past couple of days and, and last week as well with the Combine. So tomorrow's show, we're going to go in a little bit of a different direction. Just talk about the outlook of the NFC South, where the Bucks rank in that, especially with Derek Carr going to the New Orleans Saints and free agency coming up where um, where everyone is right now on paper in the NFC South. So very excited for that to come out. If you enjoy the Pewter Report podcast, if you like all the clips that we have going on, please like and subscribe to our social media and our YouTube channel at Pewter Report on social media. Our YouTube's at Pewter Report TV. Hit that like button, hit subscribe, uh, help us with our numbers. We'd really appreciate it because we love all the Pewter people that watch this show. That's going to do it for us tonight, though. So for Adam Slavon... I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. We will see you tomorrow at 7 p.m. for another edition of the Peter Report podcast. Peace out. Oh, and happy birthday, Bailey Adams, by the way. Happy birthday, Bailey. Peace.